Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to each of you, dearly beloved young people. Words fail me to uh, express my heart how privileged and honored I feel to be called into your midst. I don't feel worthy of it, but I want to be faithful and uh, teach and preach the word of the Lord. But I feel that I need to start with giving you a little bit of Naomi and I, our testimony. You see, young people, dearly beloved, I grew up in an old order Mennonite church. And my father was a very progressive, aggressive farmer and businessman. And I just followed in his footsteps. He was not a man that was a... I love my father, he's gone now, but he was not a spiritual man. We did not have Bible study in our home. We didn't even read the Bible in our home. When it was time for prayer, it was all silent. And when I went to church, I had no interest. There was no salted desire ever put in my heart to serve the Lord as a young man growing up at home. My dear wife, she had a little bit of a different home. They were very musically inclined. We didn't even sing in our home. And I'm just trying to help you young people see what you have, the privilege you have. And so because of her home being more of a musically oriented home and inclined, they sang a lot. The gospel was basically ministered to her through song. As they sang, her father loved music. They also had no family devotions and no Bible reading in their home. Is that right, honey? Yes, none of that. No Bible school, no Bible reading at home, and the Bible teaching and preaching was very soft at church. And to my shame, I did not find the Lord until... Well, let's not go so fast here. When we got married, I was 21, she was 20. And, uh, but she had found the Lord through the music and school teacher. At uh, 16 years of age, she found the Lord, or uh, at least had a small beginning with the Lord. We didn't talk about being born again or any such like thing. And so after we were married, she realized that she married a very lost, ungodly man. No, I was sheltered, no alcohol, no drugs. In fact, God even kept us from immorality in our courtship, our dating. We didn't even call it courtship, we called it dating. It was only by the grace of God. We didn't have a pure courtship. I'm, so, I'm sorry I have to tell you this stuff, but I need to. And so she, we were going places that she felt very uncomfortable. I, she used to ask me, she said, honey, do we really want to be here when, when Jesus comes? And I didn't get it, okay? And, uh, and so we continued on. But what she never told me was that, sisters, she was praying for me. She never told me. Occasionally we would open a Bible, wouldn't we, in our home? Rarely. Rarely. Married now. Children were starting to be born into our family. And she was praying for my salvation. She was praying for a, a godly man, for her children. And so she prayed. She prayed five years. She prayed ten years. She prayed... And all that time, I'm not going to tell you yet, all that time, she was honoring me, respecting me, going places with me. She felt very uncomfortable. And she actually really respected me, which caused me to start looking, am I really the husband I ought to be? But anyhow, finally, after 14 years of praying, dear sisters, the power of a godly woman influence behind the scenes. I went to an old-fashioned tent meeting, and, I, and when the invitation was given, I walked that old sawdust prayer, and I walked up to the altar amongst my people who all thought I was okay. And I 
walked up to that altar and I surrendered. I said, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord. I said, Lord, if you will only save me, if you will only forgive me, I'll give you my farm. I'll give you my business. And I was burning the candle at both ends. I'll even give you my children. And yea, Lord, you can even have my wife. And I thought, surely the Lord would be satisfied. And it seemed like the Lord said, ah, I want more. What do you think he want? What do you think he wanted yet? He wanted me. You got it. He wanted me, my life, my future. And I surrendered. I said, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever it costs, wherever you're going to take me, whatever you have for me, I'm yours. It doesn't matter. All I want is Jesus Christ. All I want is you and to know you and to walk with you. Well, our lives, we had children, our eldest daughter was 12, and I was... Uh, we uh, had, and my wife rededicated her life to the Lord at that old-fashioned crusade. And I went home the next morning. I got my Bible out for the first time, young people. For the first time, I opened it. I had no idea. I had no Bible knowledge. None. If you'd have told me to turn to Matthew, I went like this. Shame on me. I had no idea. I had zilch. Bible knowledge, none whatsoever. I opened my Bible and I said, Lord, uh, here we are. Here we are, Lord. I don't know how to do this, but I knew I needed to do it because I had a 12-year-old daughter that had given her heart to the Lord. My wife had rededicated her life to the Lord. And of course, I'm the leader. Somehow I knew that. I don't know how, but I did. And uh, you know what it looked like to me? Uh, anybody have a blank piece of paper? Just a blank, total blank piece of paper. Boy, that even has some lines on it. Here's what it looked like to me, dearly beloved, young people. It's like the Lord said, if you will surrender all, you just sign down here. Just sign right here. So I got my pen out with some red ink. And I put my name there. In the blood of Jesus, I signed there. That's my initials. But before I did, I said, Lord, wait a minute. Wait, oh, oh. I started thinking about this. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, saying yes, what's it going to cost? Oh, uh, uh, there's got to be some fine print here. There's got to be something here. But you know, there wasn't. Nothing. Nothing. Blank. I want your life. I want you all. The big yes. I want you all. Everything. I want your present. Then as he began to speak to me and my wife, he said, sell the cows. Well, I had signed. Sell the cows. Sell the farm machinery. A modern line of farm machinery. Sell the business, very renowned, making more money than the dairy farm. Sell that, and then after a bit it was, I want you to head off to the West Indies as a missionary. Well, guess what? I had signed. I had signed. I had signed to follow Jesus, the big yes. That was the big yes. Oh, I better keep that. You don't want that. <laughs> yes. But brothers and sisters, that's what it looked like. And I'm here to tell you that we have been on a journey, my wife and I, have been on a journey. We moved to the Caribbean, the West Indies. Our youngest child was two and a half. Our eldest was 18 when we moved there as a missionary pastor and evangelist. And we were there 12 and a half years. But we've been on that missionary journey ever since. And I'm here to tell you, you can trust in God. You can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He promises that when we surrender, he will go with us wherever we go. He says, lo, I will be with you always. And you know that. But you know, when it costs us everything, we may struggle with saying yes. We may struggle, but it's, he's a good God. He's a loving God. He's an exciting God. I'm here to tell you. He's a God that thrills my heart and soul. We've been on an exciting adventure, and I'm trying to 
get you excited about the fact of what God all has for you. I don't know what he has, but let's get into our lesson. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word, and we want to look at another man's testimony here this, this afternoon. So, Lord, I pray you would stand with me in the pulpit of God. Put your hand upon me, Lord. I confess that without you, I can do nothing. So, Lord, I need you, and I am begging you, Lord, to wash me in the blood, stand with me in the pulpit of God, and accomplish your will through your word. Inspire us, Lord, to say yes as others have in the scripture when, the, when you called them. So Lord, I pray, help me with your word. We'll give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. As I get into my topic, I need to make a few disclaimers. Naomi and I travel the world and we are ministering to a people that have almost no Bible knowledge. They have very little Bible. I have learned real faster. You are blessed with, overwhelmingly blessed with the scriptures, knowing the scriptures, and I'm excited about that. But for me, I have to teach and preach in a way, and I had to work on this very, very hard. I love the deep things of God. As I was hearing with uh, Grant and Vince, I, I love it. I love every minute of it. When I'm ministering, I, with the, normally with the people, I can't do that because their Bible knowledge is so, so minimal. So it's hard for me to not be so simple and so basic that you may think that, well, does he think we're children? No, I don't think you're children. I know who you are, and I know you have a lot of Bible knowledge, and that's all very good. But forgive me if I seem so elementary and so basic uh, that uh, you may don't get the idea that I don't know who you are. I know who you are, but I'm going to focus more on inspirationally. Yes. What two pictures do you see up there? Who do you think they are? Small pictures. Yes, you, got, you are so right. I have learned over the years that, uh, and I'm thinking about my topic. You know, this whole idea of saying yes, the big yes, rather than no to God, is uh, sometimes a little bit, uh, that's why I gave my testimony, what it meant for, for me, what it meant for me. But I've also learned that in uh, places that I minister, sometimes it's helpful to look at a life, more of a, a biography type thing of other Bible characters. You see, a biography unveils God by example and how others said yes and struggled with it. And rather than just studying the principles and theories, I'm going to do a biography. It's a very basic, uh, you might say, a profile biography. Not everything, but just a few things from perhaps both of these men. What's unique about these men? Joseph and David. They began their journey with God when they were Yeah, you got it. Most Bible scholars feel that Joseph, when he had the dream, we know the Bible says he was 17, but David was about the same age when he was anointed to be the next king. I'm going to start with David. You see, when you do a biography type thing, you look at the way that God used them and the things they went through where they would, had many opportunities to say no, but they continued to say yes to God. It's very inspiring, very illuminating, because guess what? These young men, as they began their journey with God, yeah, they're Old Testament, I know, they, their God is now your God. Amen? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. You see, Jesus taught somewhat like this. And I want you to show you this, that Jesus taught this way. In John chapter 7, verse uh, 
Now, it's not in the context of a necessarily a biography, but in John chapter 7, verse 37, it's the last great day of the feast, and this is the first great day of the Bible school, not the last great day. It's only the first one. But I want you to catch something here, dearly beloved young people, and all of you. It's the last great day of a seven-day Jewish feast where they were crying out to God, open the well of salvation. And Jesus, at the last great day, perhaps the last great hour, he stood and he said, he that believeth... I'm sorry. He stood and he cried, or he stood and he raised his voice. Verse 37. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Jesus Christ, whoever is thirsty, and this is a present continuous terminology here, continues to be thirsty, let him come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, and he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which went... They that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What I want here is just to preface what I'm going to share today, or preach today. I don't like to share. There is a time to share. I'm not supposed to share. I'm supposed to eat and preach. <laughs> uh, Jesus did talk this way. When he wanted to reveal to those people there that were crying out, his people that were crying out, Lord, God, Father, open up the well of salvation on this seven-day feast. He used, uh, as the scripture has said, whosoever will come unto me and drink, and drink deeply, and continue to drink deeply, the time will come. As the scripture has said, that his belly will be, he'll be, his heart will be so full of Jesus Christ, so full of him, that a river of life will begin to flow out of him. When Jesus said, as the scripture has said, that's Old Testament. Am I right, Bible scholars? Yes. That's Old Testament. He used some, uh, well, maybe we ought to go here. What scripture do you think he used? Old Testament. Want well, to be somewhere back there in the Old Testament? We don't have to. Huh? Isaiah. He's seen rivers. Is that what you said, sister? Yeah, that's a very good. But we better not dwell here because I'm only getting a principle here. I'm getting a principle that Jesus would use Old Testament pictures, analogies. To prove a New Testament point or principle. Are you with me? We can have that discussion some other time, but not now. We need to move on. Well, I want to use, start here with David. Brothers and sisters, true greatness can only be found in God. True greatness cannot be found in the world. True greatness cannot be found in the business. I found that out. True greatness cannot be found in the business world. I'm not saying I'm great. I'm saying I was going after things of the world and business and such forth. But God said, enough of that. I have something else for you. And I said, yes, blessed be God. He gave me grace to say yes. And he's still giving grace to continue to say yes. And he's continuing. Yes. True greatness cannot be found in, in anything in this world. Let me test you if you believe that. Thinking of true greatness here. Twelve spies sent into Canaan's land. Ten were bad. Two were good. Give me one of the names of the bad guys. Come on, you guys. You know the Bible. They are worth remembering. No, Lord, isn't that the truth? Well, I've heard, I've heard young people say it's not in the Bible. Well, now let's go there. Is it in the Bible? Anybody know where? Well, that's not worth remembering. Let it go. <laughs> You're so right, Vince. Who wants to? Yeah. Yes, but true greatness can only...
only be found in saying yes to God. That's my whole point. <laughs> yes. Great men of God are not just naturally born great men. Great men of God become great men of God out of their continued passion to know Him. Remember that, young people. That's how men become great. For God, continued passion to know Him and to make Him known. Know Him and make Him known. Family lineage, constituency, congregationally, none of that. It's good, don't get me wrong. Uh, Joe's back there egging me on. <laughs> it's all good. But great men of God become great men of God in a continued passion to know Him. And as you hear His voice to say yes, and keep saying yes. Now let's get into the scriptures. Second, cricket, Second Chronicles chapter 2. I'm sorry. 16. Verse 9. Here in the days of King Asa, he has done foolishly. And God speaks from his inspired word to all of us to this very day. For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect. Toward him. Why don't I have somebody read that? Let's do that. Young man, right here. You have it? I don't know yet. I can't hear shortly. Okay, thank you. I want you to stand, raise your voice, and read it. I gave you an example. <laughs> so that uh, you don't know who I'm going to call on next. <laughs> you got it. What's your name again? I'm Ken. Ken? Kent. Kent. God bless you, Ken, as you read the scripture. Second Chronicles 16, 9. Yes. For the eyes of the Lord run to and, fro, to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have war. Thank you, Brother Kent. God bless you for reading the word. The eyes of the Lord. God is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Blessed be God. That's exciting. And uh, his eyes are still going to and fro. They are going to and fro across the whole earth. And you know what? They came landing right in here in northwest part of the United States. It's a state called Washington. And the eyes of the Lord came right in through this roof. And the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro right in here. And you know where he's looking? He's looking right here at your heart. Yes, he's looking at your heart. I want to tell you something, young people. He knows your heart a whole lot better than you do. But what's he looking for? Not necessarily a flawless sinless heart but he's looking for a heart that will say yes when he ministers when he speaks and he's looking for a heart that will be made maybe spiritually responsive when God speaks you hear the word of God God speaks through didn't Jesus say in John chapter 10 my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me and they do what they follow. They say yes. They say yes. When he speaks. Am I spiritually responsive? Yes, we already looked at that. In the days of David and the family of Jesse, God said this. The, I'm not sure why the reference isn't there, but it's in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Sometimes I call these electronic equipment confusers. Oh, it is there. Yeah, 
sorry. Acts 13, verse 22. Here's Paul is preaching. And Paul says in Acts 13, verse 22. Volunteer to read quickly. Yes, over here, brother. Thank you. God bless you, my brother, in Jesus' name. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David, Peter King, whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. God bless you. Paul there is quoting. He just keep your you can keep your finger there, but we're going to move on. Paul is quoting what God said through the prophet Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. I'll just read this one. I got you now. You're with me. You're all ready. I can see that now. I appreciate that. Yes. Acts chapter 13. But now thy kingdom. This is where Saul has done foolishly. And that's what Paul was quoting back in Acts 13. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord took the kingdom. Uh, actually took the leadership of the kingdom from Saul. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, such forth and so on. So in the days of David, the eyes of the Lord went across Israel, and they fell on a young man named David. He was a part of a big family. We'll get into that in a moment. Now, why did the eyes of the Lord fall upon David? The Bible is clear. The eyes of the Lord fell upon David, and he chose him, as it says in Acts 13, 22, because he's after God's heart. He's after God. He's a man after God's heart. He could be a woman, too, to make it applicable here. After the heart of God. Continuing, I trust that's why you're here. You're not here just to fill your head with more Bible knowledge. As good as that is, it's wonderful. But after the heart of God to do how much of his will? All his will. Always say yes. When you hear the voice of the Lord, be spiritually responsive and say yes. That's why God chose David. Now let's continue with David. David was a youth, just as you are. I already told you that. I, okay, and I know I didn't have any handouts. I'm going to go slow enough that you can get, jot some things down if you want to. We're only laying foundations. David was a youth, just as you are. Did I put, have a number there? I did. Yeah, God himself said about David. You got that. Okay. All right. Let's go to three. David's name appears 1,117 times in the Bible. 50 chapters totally dedicated to David. Now that includes names like the sweet psalmist of Israel, some of those other names that are applied to David. There's only one man in the scripture who has his name in there often, and that's Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. So there's something about this man, David. I think God is trying to get our attention to study him. Watch his life. Learn from his life. Watch how he responded to his... Yes. God, David is one of God's heroes. David. Now, he wasn't perfect. We know that. And later in life, David made some dreadful mistakes. He had lost his way from God, with God. Anybody know about how old he was then? He was about 49 years old. But when David was a youth, David was a man after the heart of God. He was after the heart of God to do all of his will. And he was after the heart of God to say yes. David, number four. David is the John the Baptist of the Old Testament. Opens the way for Jesus Christ. Actually, David is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Yes. His life typifies Christ. His, not, not in every way, not please, not every way. We know he made some mistakes later in life. But when, when David was a youth, a young man, he very much typifies the life of Christ. There's four basic overview points that I want you to see. This is just a quick overview. Number one, David was always urgent to worship. Worship 
means to give the Lord God that rightful place in your heart. It always includes sacrifice. Always. It always includes sacrifice. Think about when Abram was going up on the mountain. In Genesis, Abram's going up on the mountain with his son Isaac. He has the fire. His son is carrying the wood. And his servants ask him and said, Abram, where are you going? He said, I and the lad are going up on the mountain to do what? Worship. It says worship. Would somebody find that for me real quick? Yeah, I'm, see, I'm very much extemporaneous. I just, yeah, that was a big word for me. <laughs> but you got it. See, here we go. So, brothers, you need to help me quickly. Whereas Abraham is taking Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice it because Abraham has said yes to the Lord. Genesis 22. Would you read it, please? How much of it? Wait, stand here. There you go. The whole thing. I can find it. Oh, okay. And who's ready? Who's ready? Quickly. Oh, right here, sister. Right here. Thank you. You are. You guys are great. Stand. Yeah, stand. Oh, you can stay sitting. You can stay. Do you want me to start? Genesis. Twenty-two. Okay. I'm looking for the verse where it says that. I and the lad are going to worship. And we will come again. Verse 5. Verse 5. Got it, sister? Abraham said to the young man, Abide here with the ass, and I am the lad of Yahweh, and worship will come against you. Thank you. Now, thank you. God bless you, dear sister. Think about it, brothers and sisters. What's Abraham about to do? Now, he's not only saying yes to the Lord, he's not only saying yes to the Lord. But he's about to go and make a sacrifice. That is the true meaning, young people, of worship. Sacrifice. Sacrificing the promised son. Abraham is the only... Our, our brother uh, Grant is speaking on the fatherhood. Abraham is the... Uh, is that right? You're talking about that one, right? Abraham is the only picture. Here we go again, the pictures uh, of the scripture of God the Father and His Son. Jesus, Father, Father God sacrificed His Son, Jesus. Abraham is willing to sacrifice His Son, Jesus. I think that you can correct me on that if you want to. Beautiful picture. Worship, sacrifice, sacrifice. Sacrificing our all. So number one, David is always urgent to worship God. Let somebody read Psalm 34, 1 through 3. David's worship. I think we had this at church yesterday. Yes, sister, back here. Thank you. I will bless the Lord at all times. Praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make the glory of the Lord. The humble shall hear the Lord and be glad. Thank you, sister. God bless you. David's always urgent to wor worship. Always. And uh, let's go on to number two. David loved to serve others. David always loved to serve others. Some overviewing points of how David said yes. David said yes as a youth to serve his father. He's out there with his father's sheep. He served his people. Always. David is a beautiful picture of serving others. Number three, David was quick to forgive those who did evil unto him. Number four, David was quick to repent and confess his sins. David is a type of Christ. You can almost transport David into the new covenant and he fits. Especially as a youth. Blessed be God. He said yes to God. When he sinned, or somebody sinned against him, quick to repent and confess his sins. Four cardinal laws of God for king, for the king. Not to have many wives. Did David sin here? Fail here? Yes. Not to multiply horses. Did David fail here? Did he? Yes. Not to number or count his army of soldiers. Did he fail there? Did he sin again? Yes. 
David didn't always say yes. David didn't always say yes. But, in other words, the fourth cardinal law for the kings was not to do the ministry of the Levites. Did David sin here? Did he? I got you thinking. I don't think so. Did he? Come on. He was going to live in the ephod, but I don't think he was taking a Levitical place. Okay, you're right, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate your brother's help. Yes. But, so at least, for sure, David sinned against, sinned against God in three of the four. David didn't always say yes. David failed. But, but, but. Yeah, you want to hear, sure. <laughs> but because David was quick to repent, it appears to me like God forgave him. Because David had a heart after God is merciful. God is free. Now, I'm not encouraging sin here, please. That's not what I'm encouraging, not for a moment. I'm just saying that we struggle sometimes. I struggle to say yes. I want you to understand God is a merciful, gracious, good God. And I love you and I trust you, you do. And you want to always say yes. Amen? amen. Yes. You may say amen. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> David, as a king, led God's people. And we heard some about this in Vince's uh, class. David, as a king, led God's people to a spiritual high point. David, as a warrior, more than doubled the geographical land size of Israel. God's people in his time and reign. Is that right, Vince? Yes, okay. Hey, you can correct me. I know, you heard me say I'm a baby in the scriptures. Yeah, I heard you say that. Well, you're hard to convince. <laughs> well, we're going to have a good time. Amen. <laughs> David is an example of one man all for God. One man all for God. God used him mightily. That's uh, my time. It's so David penned number five. David penned 90 psalms in the Bible. You talk about a man that knew God. When you read those psalms, they were written from a heart that experienced a deep devotional life with God. We looked at just a few of those psalms. When you read David's psalms, you're looking deep into the heart of a man who walked very close with God. As I said, he's, David is God's hero. David wrote most of those psalms when he was going through some great difficulties and trials. That's why they're so encouraging to us. Yet today, they're very encouraging to us. David said yes to God. And God began to use him and Saul became very envious and jealous. And Saul chased David like a dog in the wilderness for seven years. David's running for his life. David said yes to God. And God anointed him. And now what happens? What happens? He's running. He's running. It's far easy for David. David would lay his head down on a pillow at night and he would not know he was going to wake up the next morning. He didn't know. Because Saul was chasing him like a dog to kill him. But David trusted God. You just think about when you read those Psalms and they encourage you. David said yes. And look what happens. Life isn't easy for David. But David trusted the Lord. David, I believe, trusted in the sovereignty of God. You see what David did? David trusted in the sovereignty of God. David rested in the sovereignty of God. You see, what had happened, brothers and sisters, is Saul was anointed to be the first king of God's people, Israel. And in a very short period of time, Saul made shipwreck. He made shipwreck. He rejected the Lord. He had no preparation time. No training time. He was just called right out of, from among the stuff, and he was made the king. Yeah, that's what the Bible says, from among the stuff. He was hiding among the stuff when he came to anoint him to be the king. But here's the point. God was preparing David. God was training David. 
God was equipping David so he could be a good leader for Israel. God could use him and prove himself strong. And eventually we know it happened. Let's go on. David's family setting. It's my last point, number six. I didn't even see that funny. Okay. David's family setting. David is the youngest of eight sons of Jesse. Now, he also had two much older sisters. In 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, you will find the names of David's sisters. We don't need to look at that. But David is the baby of the family. Young people. How many babies in the family here? Come on, put your hands on high. Elbows above your ears. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. So you don't want to be by the baby. The youngest of the family. So, uh, Lori, you're the baby. I am. Okay. <laughs> Do you appreciate that? Yeah. Yeah, good for you. You never felt like you sort of came on behind a little bit and uh, all. Ah, a little bit. I wonder. <laughs> That's all the way the youngest one feels. Sort of came along behind and maybe uh, uh, anyhow the older ones say they get, they get away with everything, but the younger ones feel like they're sort of left out. So they came on behind a little bit. Maybe not so much wonder. Well anyhow, take encouragement young people. David was the youngest of the family. He is the baby of the family. Yes. David it's the youngest of eight sons. We already looked at that. Oh, yeah, there's the names of the two sisters, but we don't need that. I don't even know how to say that. Somebody help me. Sariah and Abigail. Is that right? Yeah. But here's something more I want you to see in light of the uh, David's family. You see, David... There was tension in David's family. That's why I said something about the youngest one. There was problems. Things were not perfect in David's family. We see that tension when, when uh, Jesse, the father, sends David to the home, to the, out to see the battle, to see how the, the battle is faring. Jesse, David's father, sent him. And when he gets there, his oldest brother, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 28. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 78. I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. Do I have a volunteer to read that quickly? Yes, sister, right here. You're ready. 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Tension in the family. David's older brother lays into him. Note the poison in those words. This is perhaps not the first time. You have the 245 to teach. I'm not sure what you were looking at. But you have another 15 minutes to teach. Oh, but there was some discussion time. At 245, we begin discussion time. Oh. I can't even read a schedule. <laughs> Sorry about that, but thank you, Brother Anthony. Thank you. That's not Anthony. That's Pete. Anyhow, now, there's problems at home. We clearly get a picture here of uh, David. And just look at that picture. Look at David's response. What do you see? What do you see? Taken back. Scared. Scared? What did you say? Scared. Scared. Yeah. There's problems in the family. This is not the first time we see a problem. Not the first time. If you go back to first, if you go to first Samuel, just go back to 16. You'll find when, and we'll look at this more closely tomorrow, but uh, 
whenever the prophet Samuel, the great man of God, the prophet Samuel is given direction by God to go to the house of Jesse and anoint the next king. And uh, so Samuel calls for a big sacrifice, a big feast again. And uh, tells Jesse to bring all of his sons. And all the sons pass before uh, the prophet Samuel and one by one God told Samuel not this one not this one not this one finally the Lord told uh, Samuel in verse 7 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 7 but the Lord said unto Samuel look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart so the Lord is looking again looking for a man and the Lord looks on David's older brother Eliab and says nope nope Something, there's a problem in the heart here. There's a problem. And finally, all the brothers pass, verse 9, before Samuel. One by one, God said, uh-uh, nope, not this one, not this one. Make an interesting discussion. Yeah, you're with me. Yeah. Why did the Lord say no? Yes. Finally, uh, Samuel, he's, he's confused. Uh, all the sons went before Samuel, and God said, no, no, no. Then finally, Jesse, uh, Samuel says to Jesse, Jesse, are these all your sons? And all of a sudden, it seems like... Uh, Jesse, ah, duh, like me. I'm not sure what really happened here. Finally, Samuel, uh, and Samuel said unto Jesse, after, I'm in verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are these here all thy children? And he says, oh, yes. Oh, there remaineth yet the youngest. Come on. Come on, Samuel, surely he's not the one. Really? You want him? Well, I guess it was pretty obvious. And so Samuel, so Je uh, yes, Jesse says, yes, there's one more. His name is David. He's out with the sheep. And Samuel said, send and fetch him. For he, we will not sit down till he comes hither. I'm in verse 11 and finally 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance, God goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Brothers and sisters, you may be sitting here and things in your family. Maybe are just not the way you think they ought to be. Well, guess what? And perhaps that's the kind of family that I grew up in. And my wife, too, looking back now, things were not the way they perhaps should have been, according to the scriptures. In the marriage relationship, in the home, the priorities of mom and dad. But guess what? God is, it was just the same way with David. Why did Jesse forget David? Why? Listen, my dearly beloved brothers and sisters. Things were not well in the home of that home. But God, but God, but God looks on the heart. Know this, dearly beloved youth. God will not put his hand upon a youth who is bitter at his circumstances at home. As circumstances in it can be at home. That's no excuse. Things are not the way that you think they ought to be. Could be your, your feelings maybe at your church. I don't know. Could be many things. God will not put his hand. Maybe your community. Maybe uh, God will not put his hand on a young man or a young woman who is bitter at life's service. David dealt with these things. Somehow David 
understood and there was a grace upon David's life. I know he's Old Testament. I don't know what other word to use. I don't know what other word to use. Somehow he found grace and got over it and said yes to God. Yes, God, I love you. God, I will. Yes, whatever. I'm yours. I will always strive to please young people. God will not put his hand upon a young person. And so many young people struggle right here. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you that even God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we even ask or think according to his power and grace that multiplies and amplifies in our lives. If we only come to the place and surrender and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we know that God did put his hand upon David in the very verse 13 through the prophet Samuel. Young people, God is able, but we must surrender. We must say yes. And God did raise up David. I think I'm just going to close with that. I think that's enough to get you thinking. Father, I come to you on behalf of these dear young people. They're yours. Lord, I agree with the brother that already said. Perhaps they're all born again already. But Lord, we may be here. And there may be those that are wrestling with circumstances in their lives. Lord, that are hurtful. They're painful. Things, just vision is not fulfilled at home, at church, community, wherever. I don't know, Lord. Youth group. I could go on and on. Lord, I pray that you would put your hand upon them and give them grace to surrender and to submit and just say, yes, Lord, whatever you have. Lord, thank you that you're sovereign in all these things. You allow them. They go through your hand. That which you could have stopped, Lord could have changed the situation, but you chose not to. We don't always know why, Lord, but you do that. We see that in the life of Joseph. After Joseph said yes, but many hard things from his own brothers. Lord, help us to understand you're sovereign. You allow these things to make us strong, make us better and not bitter in you. So bless these dear young people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.